Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode, the second one today of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime and the man you're, you know all too well who you're going to meet again. Uh, we're talking uh, quite a bit about uh, teaming up on a lot of projects going forward, and uh, I only do that with people I really like, and I really like Dr. G. So, a uh, big thanks to Dr. G for being here, and I'll introduce him in one second. But uh, just to get everyone caught up, we're talking Michelle Traconis today. It all started more than four years ago on the morning of May 24th, 2019. Jennifer Farber Dulos, then a 50-year-old mother of five, she went missing after dropping off her kids at school. Law enforcement launched a wide-scale search and investigation, and even though they never found her body, Police believe that the mom was killed by her estranged husband, Fotis Dulos. She was actually declared dead legally by a judge just this past uh, October. Uh, the two, uh, both Jennifer and Fotis, had been embroiled in a contentious two-year divorce and custody battle before she ended up going uh, missing. Fotis Dulos, as we know, he unalived himself uh, as he was awaiting trial. Uh, for the murder of his estranged wife. Now, Fotis Dulos's ex-girlfriend, Michelle Traconis, is on trial. We've been covering it gavel to gavel on our other channel, which is Best Trials in True Crime. Uh, she's facing charges of conspiracy to commit murder, evidence tampering, and hindering prosecution. Uh, at this trial, numerous surveillance videos appear to show Michelle Traconis uh, we also see her in a bunch of police interviews. So what does her behavior and body language reveal? Well, that's why we've got Dr. G. For those who do not know, Dr. J.P. Garrison earned a PsyD in clinical psychology from the Georgia School of Professional Psychology. He also has an MBA. That's a lot of letters after his name. It means he is smart. He's been cited for his expertise in psychology and numerous media outlets, including Business Insider, Forbes, Vice, Huffington Post, Yahoo News, and of course, his favorite, Surviving the Survivor. And uh, what I love most about him, he studied the Korean culture for over a decade. Uh, I think he speaks some Korean. And he hosts, most importantly, his own YouTube channel, Dr. G Explains. And Dr. G, who doesn't love Dr. G? Love Dr. G. Hey, Dr. G. Uh, Dr. G just did, we did our own show on... Um, Jennifer Crumbly last night, the mother now convicted in her son's school shooting. Um, were you surprised by that verdict, Dr. G? I was surprised by it, but I agree with it. So, but I, I didn't know which way it would go. Mm. And and tell me, um, well, not the topic for tonight, but I'm curious. Um, he was tried as an adult, which is why some people disagree with the verdict. Uh, but you believe that the responsibility ultimately still uh, is with the parents. Absolutely. I think that the amount of negligence that went on was so gross and so incredible that there has to be some line where people are held responsible. At least that's my opinion. And if, if, if it can't be in that case, I can't fathom a case where it would. And do you think, because uh, some people, you know, on the show, we were arguing this, that this is uh, a precedent setting case. Do you think that it is going to change um, sort of the paradigm or the dynamic uh, as it relates to parents involved in school shootings? 
I hope so. If it is in, in ones that where they're grossly negligent, I don't think that it's going, I don't think anybody that is, I don't think people will be pursued that should not be. I don't think that this is a slippery slope. I don't think that people that are going to be unjustly arrested after this, because of this case at all. I think that if anything, maybe some people will be held responsible that are, are truly, truly negligent in these situations. So I, I don't, I don't think it's a slippery slope though. I've heard that argument and I don't buy it. Mm. Uh, that smooth velvety voice is Dr. G what I would give for that voice. Uh, it's the reason, one of the reasons he's, uh, picking up YouTube subscribers at a fiery pace. It's that, it's that voice and the brain between those ears. Um, I hate to do this so early on and no, I'm not going to pitch my book, which is available for pre-order. However, the COE, and you all know how much I love the COE and how much she does for the show, but the COE went MIA in MIA today. So we did, someone's asking uh, about Shanna Gardner. We covered Shanna Gardner in court in Jacksonville. And after that, I got, um, yeah, I've got a couple of things to do. And the COE disappeared for like nine hours. So I have no problem with that. Uh, she then confided in me. It was a manicure pedicure day for her. We have a party that I'm getting dragged to again tonight. And uh, the only issue that I take with it, the only umbrage I have is that we have Dr. G on and he studies video. And the COE says to me, five minutes before the show, I'm getting those videos. And I said, when we have a guest on that studies videos, you need to have the videos, not five seconds before the show. So um, anything, uh, look, here it is. She's making excuses. This is how she got through college. Um, it's amazing, Dr. G. I don't want, I don't need Marilyn advice yet. However, let me ask you a question. We see this all the time now in this country. I don't think it's, I think it's more noticeable because of the ubiquity of social media and all of this, but are couples becoming, and I don't mean this was up, but this is a bad segue because I don't mean me and my wife, but are couples becoming more unhinged? Um, Fotis Dulos and Jennifer, look, I mean, by all outward appearances, they were a Hollywood-esque looking couple, very good looking couple uh, in a custody battle. He goes and kills her. We just covered the Adelson trial. Uh, the grandmother now accused as well of hiring a hitman, Shanna Gardner today, uh, in a custody battle, ex-husband accused of murdering a husband using a hitman. What's going on in a more macro sense, do you think? Frankly, I think that things like this have probably always been there. We're just better at detecting it now. The people 20, 30, 40 years ago, there wouldn't have been any way to, to find the forensic trail, so to speak. So I just think that we're hearing about it more, we're covering it more, we're talking about it more. But I think this dynamic's probably always been there, frankly. So this is, uh, today was, believe it or not, day 19. Uh, Rachel, I think videos play better when your nails are matched. <laughs> This will be uh, one of those shows. I can feel it. Um, yesterday, by the way, the Crumbly story is very difficult. There is no room for levity in that story. We're talking about a school shooting. I had Parkland, uh, Parkland Paranon, a Parkland first responder, and people are very, very polarized on uh, that verdict. But today we'll have a little bit of fun. Uh, Rachel says, Joel, we all know she needed it. Working under your guidelines is tough. Uh, you have no idea. I, I run a tight ship. And uh, by the way, I had a... Uh, meeting today with a publisher and uh there's going to be a little book tour going on so uh i'm going to announce cities and uh i'm excited uh 
to announce it shortly. And uh, who knows, maybe Dr. G will show up at one of these book signings. Lisa says, can't get enough of your channel. I know you work a lot already, but it'd be great to get more from you. Oh, please, Lisa. We're working on it. The COE is starting uh, to do some of her own shows, watching from Sydney. So, uh, Dr. G, this was day 19. The defense attorney is a guy that people get annoyed with because he objects frequently and asks a lot of uh, cross questions on cross. His name is John Schoenhorn. Michelle Manning is the lead prosecutor. And then there's a guy named Sean McGinnis. And the judge there's only one man who uh, rivals Dr. G's voice, and that is Judge Kevin Randolph. His voice is Morgan Freeman-esque. But um, on the on the stand today, they continue to question Fotis Doulis's real estate partner, a guy named Pavel Gemeni from uh, Poland. And uh, we'll get into that, but let's kick it right off. Dr. G is here to break down some of Michelle Traconis's video. I asked him because I got yelled at last time the best way uh, to do this. And so I'll play some of this. This is her and Fotis on uh, Starbucks surveillance video. Uh, Vicky Nader says, by the way, love Dr. G and 100% agree that the crumbly parents are guilty. So there you go. But this is a video from uh, inside of Starbucks uh, the day that she goes uh, missing. Let's watch it. Um, I will stop it where I feel it's appropriate and we will get Dr. G's take on it. So Dr. G stops and starts off and I'll do the same. So right here, there's bare, it almost looks like a still shot, like not a lot of movement. It obviously looks familiar in terms of being a Starbucks with the counter there. But uh, Dr. G, talk to me. She's got these hands crossed, a bag in her hand, um, not really looking around. What do you see? So when you think about fight or flight, which is really freeze and then flight and then fight. It means that when, when we're triggered, when we're afraid that we're going to get spotted by somebody, when we're trying to hide, we freeze. We stop moving. That's the first thing we do. And so if you look, her arms are not changing this position. That oftentimes is something we look at when we look for less movement. We look at somebody's trying to hide in a very literal sense. It's something that it sounds weird, but sometimes with suspicious people, you can see they don't move their arms when they walk. They actually stay stiffer. So the idea that she's holding her arms in this awkward position and not moving to me says that she's trying to hide. Oh, there you go. Lindsay Shea, love when Dr. G is on. Uh, we were just talking. Not only is Dr. G good at breaking down uh, video, but he's got opinions and we're going to get him on as a best guest on the show as well. And then maybe um, the COE and I will do marriage counseling on Dr. G's channel. That could be interesting. Um, yeah, sure. Why not? Dr. G, let's do that. That'd be awesome. Um, get some free counseling. Uh, or I could just lie on a couch and tell Dr. G all my problems. We could go either way. All right. Let's keep playing this out till she moves. I'm going to pop it right there. So she obviously steps out of frame. 
what's interesting to me is she's so guarded. Um, and, and I'm, I, I have no idea from your world, Dr. G, but what I see is a woman very guarded, unable to release her arms, clutching onto that bag. What do you see as an expert? Yeah, I see the the same. It's if you watch her fingers, she was moving them a little bit as she's talking because it's natural for us to want to express our bodies when we're talking, but she's still trying to to remain still. So it's interesting to see just little bits of movement. But and I actually don't know the context of this video, so I'm just doing sort of a blind read here. I haven't I haven't watched this before, so this is just what I see. Um, what is the context of this video? What was going on here? Uh, COE, chime in here, please. I believe this is from the day of the disappearance. COE, can you give us some context a little more on the video now that your nails are all done? My manicure is great. Thank you for asking. What color, by the um, way? What color? What color? Uh, deep burgundy. Hmm. Last time you took me to a party, which was last Friday night, I ended up with COVID and the flu, and I'm still reeling, but no pressure. Go ahead. So this video was played in trial, and I don't believe any of us had seen it before. This is the surveillance video from Starbucks, and this is where she references going to Starbucks with uh, Fotis Dulos. And um, this is like a, a three-part video that they played in the trial. The state played this, showing both of them placing them at this Starbucks the day of the murder. Um, and again, in the previous interviews that we've played or in the, the uh, interrogation video that we played, she was talking about going to a Starbucks with Fotis, and this is that video. And this, did you say this is the day of the disappearance, the very same day? Yes. Okay. All right. So there we go. Um, yeah. Dr. G, this is an interesting... By the way, Black Widow from the Republic of Ireland always has funny comments, uh, Mammy and Daddy. I guess they say mammy in Ireland, but we say mommy, but who cares? Uh, they also say mom. But um, K-Max, this is an interesting comment to me. That is how I sit in the dentist chair and looking at her. That's how I sit in the dentist chair. Is there something to that, Dr. G? Well, it's, she's almost bracing herself in that sense. And it's, it's hard to know if it's because she's carrying a bag or if she's literally bracing herself. But when we deal with intense stress, sometimes we hold ourselves. It's just like being held by somebody else. We do it for ourselves when somebody's not there to hold us. So it's it's not surprising if you're in a dentist chair that you might hold yourself this way. I don't know if this is specifically because of the bag or if she, in some ways outside of not moving, she's also holding herself for comfort. And, and Dr. G, I got to ask you, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Like, How did you learn all this about body language specifically? Are these classes you took while getting your PsyD specifically in this? It's a combination of things. I, I took courses in micro expressions, but I also have done thousands of forensic evaluations. And part of that was observing people's body language. So I thought, you know what, I should start studying up and seeing what the research says. So I just read every bit of research out there that's peer reviewed, that's good, that's reliable on body language. And I basically used that to, to as a basis for what I observe. Dr. G is such an interesting guy. And by the way, he can kick your ass. He's a martial arts expert. I said that on the last show. I will say it again. There's an amazing fight card in Miami. And uh, Dr. G and I are talking about going together. You never know the, uh, the people you're going to meet on a true crime podcast journey. But I'm very glad I met uh, Dr. G. Um, while I am 
sitting there looking up nonsense on Instagram. This guy is reading about body language, and that's why he has more subscribers than us because uh, he's smarter and works harder. Uh, without further ado, let's keep watching this video. So now the um, Starbucks barista has come over, and uh, she looks. It appears she's ordering. Oh, she went to get some. Let me just keep playing this. Okay. And now, and now there's, I'm going to stop it here. So it's interesting because this is now the second time she walks out of frame. And now she comes back with something that she's obviously going to buy. But now we also see Fotis Dulos. And I know people were asking for you to comment. Uh, mm -hmm. What is his posture? Telling? She, it looks like she's, she's clasping her hands now, but uh, he's got his hands uh, on his hips there. Dr. G, explain what this, how you read this. This is oftentimes how we see law enforcement stand. Feet spread apart, hands on hips. This is a dominance stance. This is a way to show that you're powerful and to show people need to, to back off. That's in essence what we do. So you'll see if, if somebody starts to feel defensive, sometimes they take this posture so that they will seem dominant. So they'll seem larger because li in a literal sense, he's taking up more space by putting his arms out like that. And that's the goal of that, to seem bigger. It's a very primal thing instinct that we have but it's that the very reason that that law enforcement stands that way is to seem larger and to basically say don't mess with me so it's not that he's necessarily saying that to michelle but that's the impression that he wants to give off as one of power in that moment and her clasping her hands is probably anxiety there you go i do that often i think uh dr g you know i ask you weird questions but uh being that you're a martial arts expert and a boxer um when you go to a restaurant, let's say with your wife and children, uh, do you do you take a position? Every time I speak to law enforcement, they never sit with their back to the door. And are you watching body uh, language? Is it something that you can't help but do? Yes, I am. I, I I'm paranoid enough to constantly look at body language when I'm out. So I do keep aware of those things. I live in a very safe area, but it doesn't change the fact that I am highly aware of those things, and I do pay more attention to that than most people, even when I'm just casually hanging out with family, for sure. And um, is it true that like, that, that, you know, like you hear Secret Service agents, I know I'm going on a little bit of a uh, uh, diversion here, but I'll, this is stuff I'm interested in. Um, is it true that you, Secret Service agents, you know, they're always looking, but they're always looking at hands because you can't do mm -hmm. anything without hands. Uh, is that mm -hmm. something that you're keeping an eye out for? Let's say if you're in a restaurant or a movie theater or something of that nature where there could be a shooting. Sure. Absolutely. You know, it, it, there's a couple of things you look for. It's, it's hands and posture. Cause if somebody's going to do something erratic, there's really two postures they take. One is to appear as invisible as possible, which is weird. We know it when we see it, if somebody's trying to seem to, to not want to seem noticed, sometimes it's just because somebody's awkward or anxious or something like that. And somebody sometimes it's something more nefarious, but you're going to notice it and assess it for yourself. And sometimes they might have a look of extreme confidence like Fotis has right here, which is unusually confident. It's not that people don't stand with their hands on their hips, but the way he's standing with his legs apart and his hands on his hips, that really is an odd way to stand as you're ordering Starbucks. Mm. 
Now, Dr. G, let me go completely off the rails here. And this is more because I'm fascinated by the fact that you're uh, basically a professional boxer for all intents and purposes and a jujitsu guy. Let's say um, some guy has an issue with you. You're at a restaurant, your family's there, and he comes up and he starts talking uh, aggressively to you. What do you do posture? What do you do posture wise? This is this has happened before because I parked and somebody claimed I stole their parking spot. So this very thing happened at a bagel shop, actually. Do Uh-oh. tell us, please, please, please. I take that stance that he has right there. I put my hands on my hips. I make sure that my chest is puffed out. I, I look up because that makes people think that you think you're better than they are. And they get anxious when you do that. And then I threaten to kick his ass. So that's basically how it went. <laughs> and you're a big dude. Um yeah. The fighters always have their hands up, but if you put your hands up, that's kind of a telltale that you're. That, that's that's a sign that you're getting ready to actually throw down. So if somebody takes that posture, um, then I would follow suit very quickly. But typically, you can tell pretty quickly if somebody's going to be aggressive, or because the person was verbally aggressive to me, but their body showed he hunched over pretty quickly. His, his confidence was lost pretty fast because as people lose confidence they tend to start facing downward they tend to look downward and once that starts i don't get so worried that they're gonna swing at me so um unfortunately for everyone in sts nation uh you're wrapping to my questions today and uh, i love that someone lindsey chase says it's a bromance between dr g yes it is um (laughs) and by the way i've been to enough ufc fights to know that you cannot judge a book by its cover dr g looks very sweet but he can kill you with his hands. And so uh, there's a lot of people who think they are tough guys who are not, but then there are people who are not outwardly tough looking necessarily who are. So it's a, it's an interesting study, especially when you go to UFC fights. Um, Rassler's mom wants to know how reliable is body language in your opinion, Dr. G? It depends on the body language we're talking about. Generally, I think it's quite reliable when it comes to, it depends on the, what we're talking about, but overall it's, it's quite reliable. It's, it's nonverbal behavior. It's no different than verbal behavior. It's just, you have to be able to look at it in a different way. So it tends to be very consistent. Occasionally there's exceptions, but generally speaking, it's, it's pretty consistent. And then 1776 daughters on here frequently. Uh, Don't you need a baseline of a person's body language against which to compare their behavior? Is that true or not true? To an extent, yes. If you want to know if somebody is lying or being deceptive, a baseline is really necessary. And that's a large part of what I do is look at lying and deception. So in that case, yes. But there are other stances like standing with your hands on your hips. That's that's universal. That's not something that is. uh, And if he does it all the time, that speaks to his mindset. So I don't need a baseline to be able to read that. Uh, Don uh, Hagerman, friend of the show, uh, always on here. Was this clip shown at the trial? Yes, it was. Um, this clip was shown. So now we've got Fotis Doulos in frame with Michelle Traconis. We'll play it out and have uh, Dr. G break it down. I'm going to just stop right there. Uh, to me, that appears like nervous energy. He's fidgeting with his hands and he can't stay still. What do you see, Dr. G? Exact same thing. Both of them have a lot of nervous energy. So it's interesting. We stopped where he's wanting to look dominant, but he can't hold it for very long because the anxiety is stronger than his desire to appear dominant, apparently, because he is 
walking back and forth. He's pacing. She's rubbing her hands together because that's very stimulating. That calms us down. So as she's doing that, that's a way to try to calm down nerves that she's got. So yeah, lots of nervous energy. And what about this comment from Irene Kolexka who scares me? She sounds like my wife. Uh, yes, the MFR looks scared, nervous, and ready to bolt. Do you agree with that? Does he look scared to you? He looks like he's got nervous energy. I don't know if, I can't specifically say fear, but I definitely think anxiety or, or nervousness. Uh, same person, Irene says, Dr. G is the only body language person I actually believe. No BS, no stereotypes. He's an intelligent guy. Just my opinion. It's a good opinion. All right, I'm going to take it back just a touch so we can see Fotis's nervous energy and just pick it up from here. I don't know if you noticed that, but he, he with both mm -hmm. hands, kind of wiped his face. What is that, Dr. G? That's an extreme sense of feeling overwhelmed because there's a lot of nerves in the face, particularly the lips. So when we rub on our faces or rub our foreheads, that's not just stress, but that's extreme stress, typically a way to try to relieve ourselves of that. So it's really interesting because it's almost like he wants, when he puts his hands on his hips briefly, he, he wants to convince himself that he's feeling good, he's feeling confident, but he just can't maintain it because he's just all over the place. And she even, it looked like, and it's a little hard to see, she was almost moving her legs at times because I think she has so much nervous energy as well. But yeah, they're all over the place right now. And Dr. G, are you called as an expert witnesses to give exactly this testimony? And I mean, is it admissible in every court or certain courts? Uh, does the defense try to throw it out? What happens usually? Body language. Typically, when I'm an expert and I'm working on a couple of trials right now, actually, they, I, I write an evaluation, so it's much more empirically based. I talk about behavioral observations. I might discuss nonverbal behavior, but it's not like this. It would be, I would be basing it on a, a, a lot of other things. So I talk about body language, but not in this, in this way in court. But I do talk about a lot of different psychological things in court. A flipbook girl with an interesting comment. Don't, I don't see anything strange about the way she's holding the purse. Isn't body language influenced by culture? What about that? She is from Venezuela originally, I think raised partly in Miami where I am. What about that notion, Dr. G? I don't think that it's necessarily strange. She's where the purse is sitting on her arm, but the way that she didn't move her hands at all. And when she did, she just moved her fingers a little bit. I do think that that's strange. Most body language is, is, culturally res not resistant i don't know how to say it but it's pretty universal for the most part like 85 90 percent of body language is is fairly universal because it's all based in our limbic system the part of our body that feels so it's just an expression of emotion so uh yeah it, i don't think too much of it's uh, all that culturally sensitive really yeah. So if you're from Portugal or you're from the United States or you're from Alaska you're going to you're going to be doing this if you're stressed right i mean feeling your face <laughs> Yeah, if, I, I watch Korean dramas all the time, and the body language on there is almost identical to what you'd watch on American TV as well. So there you go. Korean drama is another reason this guy's smart. Uh, McSpunky uh, gifted 10 surviving survivor memberships, uh, one of the most generous guys in all of STS Nation. Uh, bossy Texas chick, I love the name, friend of the show, always on here. I can kind of understand having a fighting stance in Starbucks. As their prices are as close to being robbed as you can get without actually being. 
robbed. <laughs> um, I get yelled at, by the way, from Carm, my beloved mother, every day for wasting money, which is true. Um, David Gagamella, we just answered this. Uh, I can't skip over a guy with an NJ on his sweatshirt, rep in the great state of New Jersey. Um, is body language analysis accepted? It is, Dr. G, correct? You just said so. No, I was saying I do. And I talk about nonverbal behaviors in the context of things I've observed as far as evaluations go, but I don't specifically talk about body language, whether or not it's accepted. I've never tried, actually, because mm -hmm. I talk about all these other things, but aspects of it are, but not like we're talking about it. There you go, David. There's your answer. And look at this uh, from Melanie. I can't read the last name. So this is up there. Hi, Dr. G. Joel, I literally stopped working when you have Dr. G on as a guest. You have the best guest. That's why it's not just a tagline. It is our reality hashtag best guests in true crime. And that's why we started best trials in true crime, because uh, we are kicking off the best trials. Uh, Dr. G, are these sites of him still being in a high adrenaline state, high cortisol state? It definitely could be. So this is where a baseline would come in, because I've seen photos in other videos where he doesn't constantly fidget and move like this. So that would suggest that, yeah, he's got a lot of adrenaline that he's trying to burn off right now, that there's a lot of anxious energy. So sure. I think that would definitely suggest high levels of adrenaline. All right, let's keep going with this Starbucks video. This is the day of the disappearance. Michelle Traconis and Fotis Dulos, he unalived himself as he was awaiting trial, looking like a tough guy here, but obviously uh, cowering when uh, law enforcement was getting close. stop it right there what about his relationship by the way he shaved his head and some people were saying so he would uh, be confused for a co-worker um what about his body language as it relates to her i saw earlier on he kind of gives her a little pat um mm -hmm. but and it seems like he wants to lean over and touch her but he's not really doing it what do you what are you making of that it's interesting it's almost like he wants to comfort her but he's hesitant to do that or to be seen doing that right so it's it seems that he knows how much anxious energy she has and he wants to do something to alleviate it but he's hesitant to do that so i agree it seems something like that all right let's keep going here i'm probably going to get hate mail again that i talk too much but run dmc says you talk too much you never <laughs> Now, that's interesting because he goes from this tough posture. What's going on here now? He's well, it, the most interesting thing to me is it looks like he's holding his thumb. Once again, he's bracing himself, trying to appear calm. But I mean, that that's a very anxious posture to have, to be holding onto your thumb. I mean, literally bracing himself. And as, as we pointed out, she's holding herself right now. So these look like two people interacting that are very uncomfortable right now. Mm. Uh, MJ says she's emotionless here uh, at trial. She only fakes some emotions during interviews with police. Do you see a lack of emotion here? Can you even tell that? Her body is saying that at least it, uh, right now she's feeling extremely anxious, which if this was the day of the murder and it had something to do with it would make a lot of sense. 
uh, on the trial uh, during the trial, though, from some of what I've seen, she does tend to be fairly flat. She does tend to be able to hold her facial expressions in pretty well. Um, Julie says, my husband was an ex-Army Delta operator. Uh, thank you for your service uh, to your husband. They sent him to special classes for interrogations on body language. I'm always really fascinated by that and all those uh, special ops guys. Um, kudos to him for, the, for his service. Let's keep watching. <laughs> And that's a wrap. They go out of frame. That last part, he's leaning uh, on the counter there with his back to the camera. What does that tell you? To me, that says, given the amount of nervous energy he has, he's trying to appear casual. We see this sometimes. Criminals will, will do this when they'll cross their feet and lean up against a wall, when they are letting themselves be vulnerable by crossing their feet, but also at the same time getting support from something else. That oftentimes does suggest some level of trying to appear casual while not feeling it uh coe is this the other angle i think this is it um this is a different angle of the video so let's watch this this is much shorter uh, again this is just to let everyone know this is photos dulos with a shaved head and michelle traconis in the starbucks different angle uh this is a much shorter video let's let it play out a little bit and get dr g uh does dr g do radio i don't think so but he needs to start Gonna stop. That's midway through. Uh, what do you make of their interaction or lack of interaction? So I was watching their feet, and one of the things, and this is something I don't talk about very often because I rarely see people's feet on these videos. But as he was talking, he starts pointing his right foot towards the door a little bit, and we oftentimes, when we're talking to people, we'll point our feet where we want to go. So he wants to hurry up and get out of there. In a lot of ways, it looks like so. I, wow, I, I think. Yeah, if you watch, if you're at a party, watch people. If you're talking to somebody and they start scooting their foot, aiming towards the door, they want to stop talking to you and get out. <laughs> <laughs> I took it back a little bit. So let's look for that right foot and then we'll yeah. keep playing it a little bit. sort of where we left off there you see that foot because think about it there's no logical reason he would point his foot at the door otherwise there's you know so so this is an unconscious part of our brain that works towards let it there, there's signals that it lets out so at times yeah if we want to escape we'll face a different direction we'll point our foot very briefly so when you watch those things that can give you an idea of what's going on in their mind so to me this tells me that he would just as soon get out of there hmm uh, Catherine and Maui, very correct. Joel's posture at a party, toes pointing to the door. I'll be doing that tonight. Um, yeah, you always, at a party, you always find me, I'm always in a corner. I don't like being in the middle of a room. I don't know why. Uh, I'm usually, why am I hiding in a corner, Dr. G? Am I just afraid of the world? <laughs> Maybe that's a good question. <laughs>
Uh, all right, they're continuing to talk. Uh, it's a little more than halfway through this video, but it's moving quick. Stop it right there. A lot of gesticulating and then he moves. What's that all about? So the interesting thing is that when he looked over to the left, I don't know if it was somebody who said something or somebody who was talking. That's when he put his hands on his hips again, which was a, a show of look how confident I am right now. So he wants to give off that impression. But once again, there seems to just be this nervous energy. But when people are focused on him, he wants them to see, oh, no, I'm calm. I'm good. I'm confident. I'm taking up space and I'm big right now. Um, Dr. G, I think you have a new, uh, angle for your channel. Does Dr. G offer body language classes? Do you ever do that? I do actually. Well, I have one that's an on-demand body language course that's through my website, or you can find the link on my, my channel. But yes, I, I do. I, I haven't done the live ones in a while, but I do have a pre-recorded one. There you go. There's yeah. your answer. Uh, this video is almost done here. Let's finish playing it out. That was it. Um, but it kind of circles her, but what it, their 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 interaction with each other is. If you look at it right now, look, she's totally um, squared away from him, like closed off to him. Uh, what do you make of their interaction with one another? That's a good question. I was so focused on some of these other aspects; um, it's a little bit hard to say. But. Uh, I mean, this stance right here, she is closed off. She's got her arms closed off, whether or not that's to him or to everybody else. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, so I, 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 it's hard to answer the question because I wasn't focused on that part of it. Okay, uh, honest. Uh, paper chaser, if you're waiting this long for coffee, wouldn't you be waiting to leave, wanting to leave anyway and get fidgety? What about that, Dr. G? Could it just be that they're sick and tired of Starbucks? It's possible, but think about times that you've gone to somewhere like Starbucks for this total is what five, 10 minutes, maybe with somebody that you're interested in, you're probably going to have a conversation. You probably aren't typically going to be overly fidgety. These are people that are not typically fidgety when we've seen them in other circumstances. She's somebody who's got a pretty good game face. She looks like she can be pretty calm photos. Similarly, when we've seen him on video, so to see them, it's not like they were there for an hour waiting on coffee. So I think that their level of fidgetiness is actually surprising, surprising given the context of everything. Um, Sarah Adams says he circles her. That's territorial. We know dogs do that. Is that something that humans do? It could be. That actually makes a lot of sense because as I said, with the hands on the hips, that's taking up more space. Circling her like that very well could be something, something like that. That's a good point. And someone else said that, it, that they're arguing, that it's obvious that they're arguing. Does it appear that they're arguing to you? It appears that they're uncomfortable whether or not they're arguing. I don't know. They don't, they, there doesn't seem to be any obvious aggression if there is. Like I said, the, the dominant stances didn't necessarily seem directed at her. But they could be arguing, but that wasn't obvious to me. And, and Map is telling us that this video, and I, that's what I suspected, is after they were reportedly dumping all these bags around uh, Hartford, Connecticut. Um, Teresa Metza for Dr. G, what does it mean in that stance if you put your hands behind your back? We know that our hands give out a lot of information. Unconsciously, we know that. So oftentimes when we put our hands behind their, our back, it is an attempt to hide. It's an attempt to not show aspects of ourselves. So we do think of that as, as being a defensive stance. Mo Luttrell, she's mad at him. That's exactly how I stand and behave if I just had an argument 
finally some honesty here finally some honesty um is that a posture of someone who is uh in an argumentative you know stance or position i only saw that at the the very end like the the other aspects of it like the other parts of the video the first part of the video we watched and the first chunk of the second one i didn't see that so much the very end i could see it being like that that stance the the Um, Yeah. yeah, I just want to catch everyone up on some of the testimony. So obviously this trial, this is day 19, but um, so former uh, Dulos, Fotis Dulos' former real estate partner, this guy, Pavel Gemeni, he's been on the stand for the better part of two days now. And he was getting crossed and the defense basically said, hey, you got immunity, um, which is why you're you know being so forthcoming now, which he did. He did get immunity. He was not a legal citizen of the United States at the time. He was questioned, but he has since become a citizen. Um, and he says that Fotis used his own, uh, meaning Pavel's own red Toyota, to drive to New Cane in the day of the disappearance. Of course, that is where um, Jennifer Farber-Dulos was living. And her DNA, police said, was found in the pickup truck. Um, but he said on the stand that neither of them appeared suspicious. This is a direct quote. The first second or two when I pulled in, they seemed to be surprised. And the defense attorney says, surprised, they didn't, they didn't seem nervous to you? And he replies, no, basically implying that they did not seem nervous. And then the defense attorney says, you didn't see any garbage bags or rolled up carpets around? And he says, no. Uh, and then it's made clear that this guy, Pavel, was never a suspect. Uh, one thing that was interesting, and then we'll get back to the video, is it was an older model car, and he said it was very tricky to start. and. Uh, only he really knew how to start it, which put some doubt into Fotis, uh, Fotis's own ability um, to start the car. But uh, Dr. G, anything you wanted to add to that? Well, the the logic, the logical part of me just questions: Is it really that hard to start the car just because it's difficult? Does that really mean somebody else can't do it just because it's tricky? <laughs> I'm not so sure. As far as the nervousness goes, though, there, there's a couple of possibilities. Um, I mean, it's possible they weren't feeling nervous because they were not doing anything that they were needing to be nervous about at that moment. But it's also possible that somebody just isn't very good at reading when somebody's nervous as well. That's one of the challenging things about like when I provide expert testimony is that I always give an explanation for if I say somebody was angry, I'll give a very detailed explanation as to why, uh, because sometimes people can misread emotions. I love this flurry of uh, seemingly random questions, something I would do. Where did this all happen? Stamp, uh, New Haven, uh, New Canaan, Connecticut, and Stanford. What state? Connecticut. What county? Uh, I don't know what county New Canaan is in. I should know, but I don't know the county. Uh, could a body be eaten by animals? Uh, that I could definitely answer is a yes. It's a definite possibility. And the body has never been found. Um Gen X granny with an observation. Looks like Joel got a haircut. I did in my COVID stupor, me and my my kid gets what he calls a rock star mohawk. And uh, he's rocking his his rock star. Look at this, right? I didn't even see this comment. Dr. G is a rock star. So he's got something in common with my son now. Uh, let's, this is new video. This looks like a police interrogation. Uh, we'll go through this video with Dr. G right now. This is obviously uh, testimony, uh, I mean, sorry, in, inside the courtroom, her standing at the defense table. Uh, she was just playing with her hair. Let me play it out a little bit. We'll get Dr. G's take. 
that's halfway through. Um, her lips are pursed there, like sucked in, it looks like. Uh, Dr. G, she was playing with her hair. We've got the lips sucked in. What does that tell you? There's two ways to interpret the the lips being sucked in. One, given that she's not talking about anything right now, it's probably not this. But sometimes when we're talking and we do that, it's a way to stop ourselves from saying more, to sort of remind ourselves, don't say anything. And it can also be a way to make ourselves feel calmer. Because like I said, there's a ton of uh, nerves in the lips. Like even before we're born, we're touching our mouths in utero. So we are very sensitive to, to, to lip touch. And that really does help calm us down. So it's probably a way to remain calm, if anything. Uh, Annie K, always, always with the good questions. Dr. G, does it seem that Michelle Traconis, in wearing muted colors, covering her face with her hair in court, is trying to be almost invisible, uh, like it's not about me? Um, is that possible? It's possible. I mean, the muted colors, I think everybody pretty much wears muted colors to court. So I, I don't know about that specifically as much. But the way people do their hair very much is, tells us what's going on in their head. So it, I think it's a way to appear more casual, not to seem too uptight. So, and, and there can be times where people use their hair to cover their face a little bit. So, yeah. Hmm. Uh, Talissa says, uh, when I watched the video, this is back to the Starbucks one, all the way through, I very much see anger in him and saw him argumentative. I'm wondering how you don't. That's a, that's a, I understand why you would see that. Like I said, with the hands on the hips, the, the, the defensive postures and all that, if that was directed at her, maybe it was argumentative. I didn't see that as being directed at her because it seemed to be directed elsewhere, but the, the very well could have been an argument, but to me, it seemed more, more like anxiety, but. Sarah Adams brings up a good point. They were staying at Starbucks for the receipt for their alibi. They did. She did have a step-by-step -step alibi and that's an excellent point. Mm -hmm. Um, with no receipt, there's no proof that they were there, although there is video. But um, in their minds, I'm sure that's part of why they were sticking around. Uh, Gemma McDonald, it's strange to me that people's physical appearance matches their character and personality. Like people who have hard faces live hard lives, for example. What is Michelle? So that is interesting. And they always, they always say that your dog, uh, dogs look like their owners, which I'm in trouble because I have a boxer <laughs> Bug now, but um, <laughs> Dr. G, is there any <laughs> is there any truth to the fact that people look like the lives they live? To an extent, but I think a lot of that has to do with facial expression because people that smile a lot, it's going to be obvious, and it, I think that that does affect the way we look. So I think more than anything that we wear our emotions on our face. So I think that you can have what would appear to be an angry or hard face, and it doesn't necessarily always match the personality. Uh, Dr. G, do I look like either a boxer or, or a pug by any chance? I kind of hope so. For, cute. You no, know, for, fortunately, you don't. I've got two French bulldogs, and somebody I showed somebody a picture. They're like, "Oh, you look kind of like them." I was like, "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> Dr. G, you got to send me those photos. I'm going to put them up on Instagram. Um, yeah. I got to see those. I'm a big dog lover. Um, that even makes Dr. G cooler. Two French bulldogs. Um, Analytical Blarney AB, uh, she gifted five surviving the survivor memberships, a friend of the show through and through her and McSpunky uh, gifting memberships like it's uh, like it's water. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sarah Adams, back to the receipt and the alibi. She says it is strategic, very likely. So uh, let's get back to uh, Michelle in court. This is her posture standing uh, at the defense table. Thank <laughs> you. 
Council stipulate. Yes, Judge. Uh, this is the beginning. That's where she plays with her hair right there. Uh, the COE picking out very complex video of her standing still basically for uh, a minute. Good job, COE. Uh, what do you, what about the rest of that video? What, what's, what's the hair thing? Women always seem to do the hair now, thing. Now, if people are like flipping it up, that's, we call that a ventilating behavior because you can almost feel your body heating up. And when people lie, they do that. So, I mean, she's obviously not lying right here and it wasn't that dramatic, but oftentimes hair flips. That's what we see. Uh, with what she's doing right now, it just shows that she is aware of how she looks. She's thinking about how she looks because she is doing something with her hair. So that's pretty much the extent of what we can tell from her doing that. Look at this. Mia Giordano. I'm a trial consultant and her look is all wrong. It makes her look even more hard. Uh, Mia, if I'm saying your name correctly, you can email me survivingthesurvivor at gmail.com. And maybe you could be... A best guest. Uh, the COE, uh, she is uh, giving her input. She stands still the whole trial. That's the whole point. Uh, what about that, Dr. G? Well, that's it goes back to that hiding aspect, the freeze, flight, or fight. It, think about it like this. If you hear like a car backfire or a loud noise or you see an animal, the first thing you do is freeze. Like that is the first thing. And if after the free, freezing phases, then you try to escape. And if you can't escape, you fight. In a situation like this, there's no escape. There's no fight. So she just has to stay frozen, basically. So this is a way to hide, to just sit as still as possible. By the way, if you didn't think Dr. G was smart enough, uh, this person, Nancy, is asking uh, Dr. G's take on defense attorney's body language. And Dr. G told us he doesn't read defense attorney's language because they can sue his ass. So uh, <laughs> it's not happening on our show. Um, but uh, I wouldn't even think of that. But it's a smart move. Uh, you don't want to... Uh, getting some kind of trouble for uh, smearing a defense attorney's reputation. He is annoying as hell, though, by the way. A um, couple other quick look at analytical blarney. I put it up already, COE, but uh, glad to have those, are, unless those are five new ones. Um, Traconis at one point, um, allegedly, according to this testimony today, suggested that Jennifer Farber Dulos be buried next to a dead dog. Uh, that is according to testimony from Pavel Gemeni. Uh, when asked about it uh, and whether she was using um, profanity, uh, Pavel said he didn't really recall it, but he did go on. Uh, the defense attorney then asked Pavel Gemeni um, and him testifying the day before that Michelle Traconis said she wanted to kill that effing bitch when she returns. Um, he was asked about that. Uh, the defense attorney says, you thought she might turn up, uh, Ms. Dulos, didn't you? Speaking about Ms. Dulos, didn't you at that point? He's speaking to this guy, Pavelli, and Pavelli said, yes, I thought she might show up. Um, but obviously, Dr. G doesn't take a psychologist to realize that if Michelle Tracone has said that she wanted to kill that F and B uh, when she returns, that there's a lot of animus there, right? Um, but, but words don't necessarily mean action all the time. No, but I do think that you can tell the intensity that somebody has thought about it or the intensity that they're feeling about it based on what they're saying. So, I mean, it does it does give us some insight into how strongly she felt about this, for sure. Uh, and there you see Armad, I am not T-Pain. Um, this is our new channel, Best Trials in True Crime, which we are uh, building up uh, a day at a time. But this is our first trial, Michelle Traconis, gavel to gavel. Tomorrow is day 20, which is hard to believe. And uh, 
we have been covering it nonstop and will continue to. Um, Dr. G is the one who flagged me on Cain Velasquez, former UFC heavyweight champ. Uh, Dr. G, let's talk about that for one second because I'm interested and I'm going to get the real hate mail now. Here's a former UFC heavyweight champ. He finds out that his child is being molested. He goes into a rage and chases down who he believes is the perpetrator uh, in his truck, following another truck, I believe, and he fires his weapon, but he hits the other person, not the alleged perpetrator. Um, this is a crazy case. I had Jody Plouchet on. Jody Plouchet's father, Gary, murdered someone on live television for molesting his son back in 1984. It was probably the most widely seen murder ever because it was televised. Um Oh, there's more video. Yeah, I see there's one more video there. Thank you. Um, how do you think the public writ large is going to react to this Cain Velasquez trial, being that he was in a rage about his son's alleged pedophile? I think that it, I presume there'll be a lot of sympathy about it, but obviously because he, you know, ultimately harmed somebody else, I think that that, that, may not be received so well but i think that there could be arguments that uh anyway it's going to be a very complicated case but i think that there probably is a lot of sympathy about that relative to to somebody who was perpetrating somebody else or something like that it was done in a in a, in a defensive way and i think a lot of people in some ways probably can relate to that level of anger or would imagine that they could relate to it um and what's interesting, uh, Dana White, who runs the UFC, the president, actually came out and said, look, he did what all of us would want to do or think of doing, uh, which is, you know, he he took the law in his own hands. Obviously, a very slippery slope. But uh, the last question for now on that, um, he is legitimately a trained killer, you know, a, a wrestler by um, training, but a big, powerful, strong guy. And he looks talking about looking the part. You know, big giant brown pride tattoo. He's Mexican and scary. Look, sweet, gentle, sweetheart of a man. Apparently, from everyone, everything I've heard. But um, why do you think he he? I mean, I know why, but he could have taken the matter into his own hands physically. In other words, he could have confronted the guy and beat the crap out of him. Why did he? Was it just a moment of rage where he picked up his weapon and tracked him down in a truck? Probably. I think that if it would have shown even more. It would have been a worse case had he physically assaulted him or, or you know, killed him or something like that. Because in, in, in that way, it would have seemed more premeditated. This does seem a lot more impulsive and spur of the moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Because he, he literally could have killed this guy with his bare hands. And it wouldn't mm -hmm. have taken much. Um, right. This is a guy who destroyed Brock Lesnar, who's a beast of a human being. So very interesting case. Uh, the reason I brought it up is I want to cover that. But this trial here seems to be never ending this Michelle Tricona's trial. And by the way, the Cain Velasquez trial starts on Valentine's Day. So we will take a look at it. Here is, um, I, I know this face because she's a New York reporter named Sarah Wallace and she's interviewing Fotis Dulos. Let's see what we've got here. I want them to know that this is a very, very challenging time for my whole family. And um, we just have to be patient to get to the other side and see what happens. Do you have any message for Jennifer's family? Yes, I send my prayers. I, uh, I had my differences with Jennifer, like many people do when they go through uh, a marriage. 
it didn't work out for us. But that doesn't mean that I wish her ill in any way. I want to play it one more time. I want them to know that this is a very, very challenging time for my whole family. And um, we just have to be patient to get to the other side and see what happens. Do you have any message for Jennifer's family? Yes, I send my prayers. I, uh, I had my differences with Jennifer, like many people do when they go through uh, a marriage. It didn't work out for us, but that doesn't mean that I wish her ill in any way. Dr. J. So there's three things that really stand out to me. One, he's got his hands clasped, his feet interlocked, and his feet beneath the chair. We oftentimes see this when people are in police interrogations or police interviews, when their feet go behind or underneath the chair, that's when they start feeling a lot more defensive. You'll see that he's sitting in that stance. He's stro- it looks like he's stroking his, his hand with his thumbs as well. So a way to maintain calm. That's why he's able to appear so calm as he's doing a variety of things with the rest of his body to maintain that feeling of calm. Now, the, the more subtle thing you'll notice, and this is a very subtle thing, it might be hard to see. If you watch his eyes, he looks the interviewer up and down repeatedly it's it's subtle but you can see him look her up and down we do this when we are assessing threats so he sees this interview as a potential threat to himself so he continues to look her up and down as you can see right there it's very subtle but you can see that his eyes twitch up and down because he's assessing what appears to be a threat to him so when you've got when you're in that freeze flight or fight state you're trying to assess everything around you so as he looks her up and down he's trying to size up the threat so to speak so that's, it, it's an unusual thing. We really don't see people look folks up and down that often. But in situations like this, we see that a lot, actually, in these types of interviews. Uh, this is uh, really fascinating to me because um, you do see him right there. He was doing it again, just looking up, looking mm-hmm. down. And what's so fascinating is you you don't control it. It's just all mm-hmm. subconscious. Yeah, it's um, involuntary. Yeah, involuntary. Just, uh, but does he look like, um, does he look like a guilty man? Is there a he way looks, to say? It, it, I can't say guilty specifically. I can only talk about how I think he feels in this moment. And I think at this moment, he feels that the person interviewing him is a threat in some sense. It looks like the, his body posture is one that is attempting to hide and that it's just showing someone who is trying very hard to control uh, a lot of, a lot of, they're trying to control the situation as much as they can. So one thing that we know is, like I said, we know our hands tell a story. We know we talk with our hands a lot. People that are being very honest tend to actually talk with their hands more. So when people hold their hands in a locked position, sometimes that's appropriate given the circumstance or an interview or whatever. But that can also be telling when people have uh, you know so little body movement as we've talked about. But the most telling thing about this is the way he's looking her up and down. That's unusual. And that really is something we only do when we're assessing threats, unless somebody's like checking somebody else out uh, in, in a different way. By the way, neither here nor there, but I feel like I have made it in podcasting because one of our STS Nation members sent me in my COVID fog. I responded, but I don't think I heard back, sent us a song that she wrote about Wendy Adelson. And I just want to get permission from her and I'm going to post it um, with a guitar and a tambourine all about Wendy Adelson. Um, Quite amazing. The COE and I were um, awestruck as we sat uh, watching it, but it was um, pretty incredible. And I think that was the second song she sent because she said it was the flip side. Uh, Her name is something Hobo. That's all I remember with my COVID fog. But Hobo, if you're watching or listening, 
get back to me and let me know if I can put it up on Instagram because we were both uh, impressed. Meanwhile, Don Hagerman, uh, again, friend of the show, is he looking for approval, Dr. G, hoping the interview, the interviewer, Sarah Wallace, is believing him? Oftentimes, the way that looks is when people will talk and look around in a natural way and then at the end stare at somebody to make sure that they're believing them or lean in to them. So that's not necessarily the posture that I'm seeing so much right now, but we do see that sometimes. Mm, it's boho, not hobo, but that is close enough. And uh, I stand corrected. My apologies. Okay, this is uh, the last video. Um, I won't bring up the fact that the COE said Fotis looks like a Hollywood celebrity. I won't bring that up today, um, but let's continue to watch here. That's it? I just want to say that I love my children. I miss them. Broken family court system. And I think about them all the time. That's all. Dad's lives matter. That's it? I just want to say that I love my children. I miss them. Broken family court system. And I think about them all the time. That's all. Dad's lives matter. That person was yelling broken family court system and Black Lives Matter. I don't think it had anything to do with this, but I think Fotis did. Uh, let's watch this one more time. We'll get Dr. G's take. I just want to say that I love my children. I miss yeah, them. Broken family court system. And I think about them all the time. That's all. Going to hold it right there. What do you see up to that point, Dr. G? So... It's well, aside from the fact that it was, I assume that was his, it was his attorney, right? Like, who's like, so. that was super weird, wasn't it? I don't talk a lot about attorneys, but he's a little ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> so, so, uh, I can, I can say that safely. Um, but it was interesting that he turned and looked as the person was yelling because I don't think that he, oh, dad's lives matter. Oh, um, so I don't think that he was looking away because he had to. I think he was using that as a way to. It's almost like a prop. The one thing that, that people do oftentimes when they're trying to lie is they do, they use props, whether it's phones or a pen or a notebook or something like that. They can also use their movements. So as he heard that, I think he looked away as a way to distract a little bit and as a way to to seemingly seem more natural as he got prepared to walk off. So I don't even think he looked because he had to. I think that that was just a way to to distract the moment a little bit, get attention away from him. And not to put you on the spot, Dr. G, but a lot of people compare these um, narcissistic family annihilators to Chris Watts. Uh, Julie Fru says that. Do you see any comparison? I don't know if you've studied Chris Watts at all. But. I've studied a lot of Chris Watts, actually. Chris Chris Watts was a little bit less slick, I think. Chris Watts was not uh, a particular... He, some of the anxiety they showed actually was fairly similar, but I think Chris Watts was not a very good liar that was for sure so it was a little different there was another question uh, oh sarah adams says it's pretty noticeable that he doesn't mention his wife he doesn't say mrs jennifer is that <laughs> obvious to you sure absolutely it's it's when you have somebody you care about that's gone missing it's going to be hard to talk about these things without feeling emotion. He's in a defensive posture at this point. It's all about defending himself. So the fact that he doesn't mention Jennifer 
I believe is telling. And he also, if you look at his appearance, he's got a highly controlled appearance. He's got, he's very clean cut, nothing wrong with that, but it does tell us something about his psychology, the way that he's dressed, the way that he looks. And this, this facial expression right here is a way to end things. So in other words, sometimes when people are saying, I'm not going to say anything else, you see them do this thing right here. And that's just sort of a way that they feel like, okay, I've signaled everybody I'm done. And now I don't have to say anything else. Hmm. Um, I'm not T-Pain or Mod. Chris Watts was so easy to tell he was lying, followed by Armand Fence. Uh, he is cold-blooded, meaning Fotis Doulas. Uh, I thought it was interesting the way he walked away here. Let's watch the end of this here play out. Dad's life matter. Anything to be made of uh, the walk away there, and I'll play it with sure. uh, notes right here. Well, I, you know how... I- it cracks me up. It, uh, the, the way that he walks, he's not moving his arms. Like I talked about how when people are trying to seem invisible, they don't move their arms. He's got his hands in his pockets. There's no natural arm movement as he's walking. It all looks very stiff if you watch right here. Huh. There you go. So, uh, yeah. go. Go ahead, Dr. G. Oh, I was just going to say, so it's very consistent with um, what we see when people want to seem invisible. Hmm. Uh, Sarah Adams, I'm a behavior analyst by vocation. This is my so my jam. Dr. G is so the man. Yes, he is. Um, really fascinating uh, look into this. Uh, Lee Dundee here says that is a vain man right there. Dr. G, you always hear the word narcissist. I mean, my mother took issue with that because she's a licensed therapist. She says the word is used too freely right now. Do you agree with her or no? Narcissists are pretty common. So sometimes people use it casually, but I mean, there's about one out of every hundred or uh, one out of every 75 people has narcissistic personality disorder. So they're pretty common. So it probably isn't as overused as we wish it was because they're, they're, they're out there and there's lots of them. So uh, it may be overused a little bit. I don't think people on TikTok probably understand it all that well, but I, I do think there's a lot of them. So it's, it's not, they're, they're not rare by any circumstance. Uh, Bonnie Lee Lopez here says, I don't think Fotis is anything like Chris Watts. Fotis is refined. He sounds like my wife. Handsome and calculating. Chris Watts was a brainless Lorne dig. Is that a word? Who is a bad liar and a wannabe. Um, Boho, uh, love this song. You got to let me know. Number one, is there a second song? Because you said the B-side. And number two, can I put it up on Instagram, Boho? See, it is Hobo is in her name. C-O-E, Boho Hobo, but email me at survivingthesurvivor at Gmail and Boho, you're the reason I feel like I have made it in podcasting because I got a literal song about Wendy Adelson from you. I will never forget Boho Hobo. Um, Boho Hobo commenting here, they are everywhere. Narcissistic behavior is on a spectrum. There are many different levels. Is that true, Dr. G? It is. And I think part of the reason that we, as I said, it's not that uncommon. So when we see all these criminals that we talk about and analyze, so many of them are narcissists or have some component of that because they're on that spectrum and they tend to do a lot of bad things. Dr. G, are we narcissists since we have podcasts and think that we're able to podcast? Does that by default make us narcissists? Narcissists aren't insightful, so we wouldn't know it even if we were. (laughs) (laughs) We'll just be clueless. I don't know. No, it's 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 funny though. I mean, I do I do talk about that sometimes because the fact that we are talking on a on a public forum and all of that. I mean, 
you know, I, I, I don't think that, and, and, and to, to genuinely answer your question, I don't think that everybody that does that is necessarily narcissistic, but it does uh, draw a certain type, that's for sure. I, I do ask myself every day if I'm uh, a normal human, and usually the answer is no. Uh, Bonnie Lee Lopez letting us know, uh, Joel, it was horn dog that auto-corrected to the unknown word, horn dog. That makes more sense. Uh, do you think he is an unhinged horn dog? Is that a way to describe Fotis Dulos? No, that was Chris. Chris Watts was the the unhinged horn dog. Actually. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay, but he yeah. was basically. So yeah, that that was fairly accurate, I think. Hmm. It's interesting to see some women come to the defense of Fotis because of his looks. Um, it's a double uh, it's a double edged sword. If a man ever did that, got to look out there. Um, Doctor G, I'm going to end this before I get in trouble, and I'm heading there right now uh, with this question that I started with. But, but I'll ask it in a different way. Let's say someone is, um, by the way, someone here says he's a coercive controller, a lot of different ways. Uh, what my great father would say, and my next book is going to be called Surviving the Psychiatrist. My dad uh, was a psychiatrist. My dad would say, it doesn't matter what his label, what your label is, what you call someone, it's what you, how you act and what you do. And uh, this guy um presumably killed his estranged uh, wife. So it's the actions that speak louder than any kind of uh, psychiatric label. But Dr. G, mm -hmm. if uh, you're in a situation, and it seems like a lot of people are, where things aren't going swell, instead of asking you why so many people are turning to violence and killing their spouses or doing something horrible, what is your advice to people going through a difficult time in a relationship? Support and connecting with other people, whether you're introverted, extroverted, or otherwise, but finding people that can listen and that care about you, that you can express this to. Because as we hold these things in, it becomes toxic. It, it does take its toll on us physically. So we really do have to find some way to, <laughs> to, to, uh, sorry, I was just reading as I was talking. <laughs> so, so we really do have to find some way to connect with others, whether it's a therapist, a friend, family member and if you don't have good friends friends and family you know there there are always people out there that are willing to support you it's just a matter of having that motivation to find them and it's hard sometimes but they're out there and look uh jody is a female by uh, all outward appearances on her photo and she says dr g has that velvet teddy bear voice like barry white and add the intelligence very cool i'm not the only one with the man crush uh jody has one and uh it's for this reason that uh, Dr. G and I are going to explore uh, multiple ways to partner up. And uh, mm -hmm. as, as, as Steve Cohen always says, a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, I only work now because for 27 years, I work with a lot of dumb, dumb idiots who I couldn't stand. And now I will only work with people I like uh, and preferably those who are not in the news business. So uh, Dr. G, you and I will figure out ways to continue this a relationship and we'll figure out if we're going to go to that uh ufc fight in miami or maybe we'll go see connor in vegas or maybe we'll do both we'll have to right yeah both is always on the table but uh for those who don't know dr uh, g he has a psyd he has an mba he's been in every kind of publication business insider forbes vice huffington he studied the culture and language you heard that he watches uh south korean uh dramas very cool and interesting and he hosts his own YouTube channel that's bigger than mine. Hate to say that. <laughs> um, he hosts his own YouTube channel, Dr. G explains. But if anyone is going to have a B 
bigger channel. I want it to be Dr. G. Dr. G, awesome to have you on the show. I will text you. Look forward to texting during our next fight. Um, love having you on, and we'll have you on as a best guest to comment on some uh, future cases. Perfect. Thank you. It's always fun. Love you, America. Love you, Georgia. Love you everywhere near and far between, including the Republican Final seconds of the game. A chance to score and the chance has gone begging. If your business's commerce platform keeps missing the target on golden opportunities, get the MVP you deserve. Get Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool that you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed football boots from Shopify's in-person POS system, or you're vending vintage shirts on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you are covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. What I love about Shopify is how, no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ranks, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash ranks to take your business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash ranks.